We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. love watching home design shows. Am I the only one? I know actually, I know I can't be the only one because of how many there are on TV. There's always some brothers or some family or some dysfunctional something going in and, and tearing apart houses and bringing them back, back together. I don't know if the reason I love them is because of watching something. Doesn't the destruction and the, the, the demo part just look so fun? Have you ever just thought like, now I know some people have actually been like, I'm going to do that and then they destroy their house and they have no clue what to do after they've destroyed it. They got a TV show for that. Once you've destroyed your house and you don't know what to do, there's someone else that comes that knows what to do and put it back together for you. There's a show all, like every show on the planet, there's one for it when it comes to this home makeover or renovation thing. You know, uh, some of my favorite shows though, they, they don't spend tons of time on the, the building back up process. A lot of time watching it destroyed and then a lot of time showing the reveal. No, you know what I'm talking about? It's the in-between time we can get bored with, right? Which is also the most important time because it's going to be what the product is at the end, right? But so uh, it, what interests me so much though is how comfortable these people are with tearing apart a house. Like a whole house. Like to the studs, maybe even beyond the studs. They are confident because they know what needs to be done to make it better. They can already see what it can be, and they are confident they know how to rebuild it right. How many people in here are those uh, DIYers, do-it-yourselfers, right? You, uh, you look at something, it needs to be done. You know, I was recently talking with somebody who, uh, who had uh, swapped out a dishwasher in their house, and they'd never really done that, but they're like, I got this. And I'm sitting here thinking in the back of my mind, I sure hope so. <laughs> Right? Otherwise, the flood, and you're going to have to call someone else. And they did. They were, they were YouTube confident, if you know what I'm talking about. But there's so many DIYers that we can never truly understand the confidence someone who spent their entire life perfecting their trade and craft feels. We can feel good because we, made, we got something right here or there, but somebody who has really spent all the time being able to figure it out, they've put in the hours. They've made enough mistakes early on to not make them again. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, if you're about to have a house built, if you're about to have a renovation done, if you're about to do a remodel, most of the time, if you're not doing it, you're referencing the people who you want to do it, and the duration of time they've been doing it matters to you. Why? Because you're not their guinea pig. Your, your results are going to be proven because they've already messed up on someone else in the early years, right? Come on, don't act like you don't think these things. But what makes these people so confident? It's more than just understanding the process. They have studied codes. They've studied the codes. They, they understand how difficult it is to get something right, okay? I was talking with someone else and uh, he went through and got his uh, general contractor's license and the test that they require you to take to be able to get your license to own your own business, run your own site, all of the rest. It is so tedious because they have to know all of these vague codes. They have to know exactly the, the, the depth of drop from one stair to the next. It can't be variated. Otherwise, your mental capacity, as you're walking up, you're, you all of a sudden automatically expect the step to be where it's supposed to be. And if it's not, you fall down the stairs. And then they get sued. 
They know all of these vague codes that DIYers just don't really know. These people know building is more than making something look good. It's understanding and building it to code so the structure will pass inspection. If not, it will be torn down and had to be remade for approval. As I thought about this concept, the tear down and rebuild for the sake of approval, it brought me to Jeremiah 18 that says this. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he hoped. It didn't get his approval, did it? So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hands. See, we build a life hoping for comfort and hoping for security and hoping for generational blessing. But in the same way that when someone's building a structure, it has to pass code, so does your life. Your life has to pass God's approval. And we are like the clay in the potter's hand. He's going to inspect us. And if it's not the way he wants, sometimes, have you ever felt like, man, I, I'm just in circles. I'm going over and over again, and I can never get this right. Look, sometimes we have to understand God is for us, but we've got to do it God's way. Sometimes assume, people assume the, the God is for us comment means God is for what we want. That is not what that means. It means God is for helping us get what he wants out of us. So I think sometimes when we come to Christ and, and new Christians, they believe, awesome, I've, I've got God's backing to do whatever I want. No, I've got God's backing to fulfill the call and purpose on my life that he created me for. Are you getting this? And so... It will have been a waste of time and resources if we continue to build something that God is not going to give the rubber stamp of approval on at the end of our life. We must know God's codes and have studied his blueprints so the life we build can pass his inspection and receive his final approval. Second Timothy says this, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his what? Is that a boy? that a girl? His approval. God wants you to live a fulfilling life. A fulfilling life may look different than you anticipated because you've been sold the lie from a world that claims success is this or success is that. But most of that stuff is just shallow, expensive stuff. God wants you to live a fulfilling life and when we lay our head to the pillow, what am I doing in my world that's affecting someone else for good? Because God, he gave me this breath in my lungs. He gave me this ability. How am I blessing others? Because we are blessed to be a blessing, right? So how do we know what is required to receive his approval? As we're digging into this blueprint, how do we know? Obviously, it's studying God's word. Let's look at the rest of this chapter in uh, 2 Timothy. Okay, it says this. Remind everyone about these things. I am. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. 
Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Can we pause for a minute? I know this is talking theologically. I know this is talking doctrinally. But we're about to go back into another phase of fighting. I don't know if you're aware of it. But we're about to go back into another phase of fighting. People are going to get steeled. E-E. They're going to get hardened back to what they think about what is going on with this, uh, with the mandates, what's going on uh, with the world around us. We're about to go back into, we're seeing right now, they're, they're talking about another uh, mask mandate. And eventually you're just going to bubble over with what you feel. Stop fighting. Stop using words to fight. There are things we can control and things we can't control. Okay? Someone already asked me, what's your stance? Like to me. What's your stance? And I said, as a pastor, my stance is to continue to gather. As a pastor, my stance is to continue to gather and to equip and to encourage the brothers and sisters in the family of God. And I'll tell you, we were shut down for 13 weeks. God willing, we'll never be shut down again, especially by a government that shouldn't be shutting us down. And that is not a political statement. It's a right of the people. But what I will certainly say is, I want us to gather more than I want to be right. Remind them in God's presence to stop fighting over words, such as arguments are useless. They can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker. One who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Do you know that those that consider themselves godly can act godless when they allow the flesh to take over rather than the spirits? You can be in one conversation and someone can get passionate about something and become godless because they've gone to the flesh of their feelings based on a situation you know, something, something that um, Mother Teresa said was that when there is no peace, it's because people forget that we belong to each other. Okay, what does that mean? God created us all. We all came from one flesh. We're all just a different shade of beige. Okay? But what I will tell you is when we start seeing the other person as the enemy, when we start seeing the other person as a political color rather than a beige created by God, hello, then we start, we can easily get godless in our desire to be right rather than to give compassion for the sake of not understanding what that person has gone through. Okay. Avoid worthless, foolish talk to only lead to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer. As in the case, and then he goes through Hymenius and Philetus. He, he starts to talk about people who have failed because of this. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred in this way, and that they turned some people away from the faith, right? They took their own genre, their own version, and they started to just spout out something that was not biblically rooted. Are, are you hearing me? And so, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription, the Lord knows who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from what? Evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. 
The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Isn't that what we're hoping our desire is? God, use me. Okay. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living. We're talking about the blueprint here, people. Faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach. Be patient with difficult people. That's a hard one. You might want to underline that one in your Bible. might want to circle it, highlight it. might want to write that on the mirror with uh, your lipstick, ladies. Hopefully not, fellas. <laughs> okay? But listen. Gently instruct those. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth, not your opinion. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. I've just read a lot of scripture for you, but I think when it comes to the blueprints, we've got to really go word for word on this thing. We've got to really understand what God's trying to tell us. Uh, You know, and so I want to give you a few points here that uh, if you're wanting God's approval... Number one, stop fighting, start encouraging. If you want God's final approval, this matters. Stop fighting and start encouraging. Again, commanding God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless. You jump down to 16. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer. This week, I've already been bracing myself, knowing what it means as we continue to shift into another phase of whatever they're going to say next. And I'm not saying that flippantly. I'm just two years later, done with it. Not done with protecting each other. Done with the fighting that I see in the house. Done with the fighting that I see online. Done with the fighting I see in my community. Done with, done with the people that used to be friends as neighbors, and now neighbors are, are too busy trying to one-up each other on their thought process by what they're putting in their front lawn. I'm just in a place where I realize that the devil dances with division. And so I'm not saying that this is the devil, but he is getting some joy out of what comes out of this. Okay, so just harden, uh, you know, steel yourself to the fact that we as a church are not going to get, you know, uh, up in arms against each other. We're going to gather and we're going to bless the Lord and we're going to look to make a change in our community. Regardless of what they're saying next, we are going to be God's hands and feet in this earth. Okay? Okay. Stop fighting. Start encouraging. There's so many things we could bicker about. Those in power trying to keep the power always try and divide the people from uniting and overthrowing. In America, I'm allowed to say that. Up to this point. I've said it before. It was at first Democrat versus Republican, and then it was racism and apathy, and now it's vaccine and mask mandates. Rather than allowing what's going on in our world to create division, let's choose to get above the fray. Let's choose to be a people that look at the bigger picture. 
Get your, stop, stop navel gazing in your sadness. <laughs> Lift up your head to which, to the hills from which comes our help. Let's look beyond what we see in the immediate and understand that we have purpose. And you were born for such a time as this. Some of you, you're, you're now looking at it going, maybe I don't need phones as much. Maybe I wish I was born in a time where uh, if we could have avoided these plagues, you know, maybe, maybe I would just be okay with, uh, you know, stone tablets and making wheels as a living. I don't know. But what I do know is that we were born now and that we have the ability to get beyond this. But that concept, you're only as strong as the weakest link. Figure out what, what is your trigger. What makes you weak? Fight against that thing. Avoid it. I'm not on social media nearly as much as I used to be. If you message me and I haven't talked to you, it's not because I don't like you. It's because I'm rarely on social media anymore because I see the division. And I don't want to... I'll get on and I'll continue to post so that family in Virginia and everywhere else knows that we're alive. But what I'll tell you is you've got to protect yourself from whatever is that weak link in your uh, armor, so to speak. And so uh, we cannot get pulled into the world's narrative and be lured into arguments and division. Again, I say don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A, f a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Say everyone. everyone. Say it again. Say it like you mean it. That's a lot of people. It's the people you blocked on social media. It's the people you've been arguing about. It's the people you're already building a case about because this new mandate's dropping again. Think of all, and some people, this is more on some people than others, but think about the amount of time, hours, minutes, whatever it is that you build or you spend building <laughs> the conversation in your head on how it's going to go and what your next thing's going to be. Let's put that energy towards good use, not just bickering. Okay? We cannot get pulled into the world's narrative and be lured into the arguments and division. You ready for number two? If you want God's approval, know God's codes and execute his plans. Could it be that simple? Crikey, it could. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Be a good worker, not just I showed up, not I helped out for the first quarter. You know, we had an amazing first uh, Caleb Generations dinner um, this past week. And for those that don't know, Caleb Generation is the 50-plus in Metro Church. And it is a flourishing group. We had the room packed. And it was amazing. It really was something else. And it's a constant reminder that Metro Church is for everyone at every age. I mean, I want us to be a place where anyone can walk in and feel comfortable and know they can find God here. You know what I'm saying? But in this moment, there was a reason I brought this up. See, we were talking about how <laughs> when it comes to knowing God's word and living it out, it's not just for a first quarter thing or a second quarter thing. Maybe you've recently seen a team only show up for one quarter or two. Okay? When it says be a good worker, it means continue to work until the time God takes you home. 
We live in a very blessed place where we have this concept and understanding of if I work really hard now, I can have retirement later. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. So, uh, yes. So what I'm trying to explain to you is don't allow the world's definitions to affect your spiritual world's uh, expectations. Okay, so you may be living in retirement, but you better be refired in the things of the Lord, and you better keep your hand to the plow and not just expect the next generation to do their part. Yes, they'll be, uh, uh, they have their things to do, but I was explaining to the Caleb generation, we need you. We need you. You're 50 plus in this church. We need you. We need your faith and your encouragement. We need your admonition. We need your stability. We need that wisdom. Hello? Don't, don't decide you're going to sit out now just because you've worked hard for three quarters and God's going to give you the fourth one off. Be a good worker, it says. Not a good retirer. Okay, I'll keep moving. How does it specify a good worker? Knowledge and execution. Knowledge and execution. Work hard. Study to know and show the truth. So here's a question for you. How well do I know, show, and tell God's plan? Because I know we're, we're studying the blueprint to know how to continue to live a life that's blessable and that's approved by God. But how well can I actually tell it, right? Because we can't show and tell what we don't know. So if God's wanting us to talk about it, if he's wanting us to pro proclaim it, if he's wanting us to declare it, that's got to come from a place of knowledge that we actually have some confidence to explain it. It's not just about getting into the pearly gates of heaven. It's about bringing people with you. So how do we know more by getting into God's word? It's not too late. Pick up a plan. Go through the Bible in a year. Get God's word into you so that you can actually understand the blueprint and live successfully. I come here prepared as much as I can to give you a 30-minute message to somehow carry you over six days. It's just not going to happen. You've got to get in the word yourself. You've got to find connections. You've got to find uh, study groups. You've got to be in, plugged in so that you can continue to grow. There's a little potted plant in my office. I'm not the greatest at green thumb, but I'm better than my wife. And she would, she would say amen to that, right? Most of the time, plants die if she's responsible, and they just kind of survive if I'm responsible. You know what I'm saying? And there's a little potted plant that we've had here for the last two and a half years. And it was from one of the little Easter things sitting on a table. And I, after Easter was over, I said, I like that plant. And I took it and I moved it into my office. And every Sunday, this cup, whatever, whatever has not been drank from this cup, this isn't bourbon, it's water, whatever has not been drunk from this cup gets poured into that. It has survived, but it has not flourished. You may be somebody that comes in here every Sunday and you survive, but you have not flourished because you only get fed once a week. Nothing will help us more to please God than to handle carefully and correctly God's written word. We should look to the written word of God with the same reverence the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I don't know if you've ever gone camping and needed to use the restroom in the middle of the night, but you weren't going to wing it without the lamp. 
You unzip that tent and you step out, believe you me, the first thing, you, you will forget your shoes before you forget the lamp. But yet, it's easy to forget God's word in our everyday life unless you see it as the light. As you step out this door, I better be equipped to deal with this darkness. Okay? God's not nearly as concerned by how well read we are as he is how well we have done with all we have read. I'm going to let that sit up there for a minute. Again, God's not nearly as concerned by how well read we are as he is how well we have done with all we have read. If you want God's approval, number three, stand firm on truth and turn away from evil. Some of you have been told you got to know when to hold them, when to fold them. But God tells you you got to know when to turn away. Right? Some of you just aren't into country. You need to know when to stand up and when to turn away. Keep turning away from evil. It says in 2 Timothy 2.9, but God's truth stands firm. The Lord knows who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. So don't stand for the wrong things just because it's widely accepted. If you look through history, the majority were rarely right. We were just talking last week about the Tower of Babel. The vast majority all agreed upon doing something that was wrong, and they ended up being face-to-face -face with God in a standoff, and God was the one that, that thwarted their efforts. So just because the majority thinks one way does not mean it's right. Stop being sheeple. Two people. What does that mean? I'm, I'm fine being a sheep to God, but not to people. God's given me way too much wisdom in his word to just stand for whatever the majority says. Know God's truth and stand firm. When you identify evil, don't stand for it. Turn away. When you identify evil, don't stand for it. Turn away. I'm going to give you the last points. If you want God's approval, stay pure ready and able. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. So the master can use you for every good work. If we want God's approval and the ability for honorable use, then we must pay attention to our intentions and our actions. Our intentions and our actions. See, we, it's easy to look back in the Old Testament and everything was about what you actually did. Okay? In the Old Testament, the scripture said what? It said, thou shalt not commit adultery. That was an action. Okay? In the New Testament, because we live under grace, people assume that we can be a little bit of lazy with the way that we do things because we got God's grace to cover it because of Jesus. But actually, it goes from thou shalt not commit adultery to Jesus saying, if you even think you have committed he went beyond actions and he said, no, 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 we need to go back to intentions. See, we look at everybody's actions and we judge them on their actions thinking, I've never done that. But in the deep, dark corners of your mind, God knows your intentions and that's why we can't be so judgmental. Stay pure, ready, and able. What does that mean? Clean hands and a pure heart. What does that look like? How do you remain with a clean hands and a pure heart? 
Verse 22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. God is literally giving you instructions that are not hard to read. They are not Ikea. These things, if we would just open it up and read God's word and sit and meditate on it, say la, have that meditation moment to say, okay, God, you're trying to tell me something here and this hurts because I don't like what you're saying here maybe because it's hard for me and I like to win and this is hard to do. See, God intended our life to run in parallel with the Holy Spirit. What I love is God says that he's not only leading us, but he's our rear guard and he goes beside us. He's got us covered. He wants us to do life with him. And so when you feel like something's too hard for you, it's because you weren't intended to do it alone. He was supposed to be right there with you, empowering and enabling you to do the very thing you know you can't do. But we got to stay pure, clean hands and a pure heart so that God can use us. We've been given the blueprints to life. We've got God's codes to build our lives by. So what are we going to do with them? The choice is up to us. And as I said last week, let's not spend our whole life building what God won't bless. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.